Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, that managing editor, Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, and FightfulMMA.com. Hey, we have FightfulBoxing.com, too, and we'll talk, be talking a little bit about each of those over the next hour or so. Uh, subscribe to that new Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube. I go live there all the time. James Lynch's interviews are there all the time. Carlos Toro has the green light to go live there. Uh, subscribe, leave a comment on any video. You are instantly registered in our contest to win a signed Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture photo ahead of Chuck Liddell's return this month. But I don't, I don't have time for plugs right now. We got a lot to talk about. I'm joined by James Lynch. James, how are you? Doing well, guys. Good to be here. Lots to talk about uh, this week. Never a dull moment in MMA, I must say. Uh, no, especially with, with the cast that we have here. And I'm, I'm really glad to be running point guard on this one. I mentioned we're going to preview UFC Denver. James has talked to tons of people from that show. We're going to kick this show off with... It seems like every month I say story of the year. So it, I don't know what it is. I don't know what to make of this. I don't know how to handle it, but... A couple nights ago, after I had just I just hit sleep on my computer, I was like, okay, we'll take the Sunday evening off. And then I start getting screenshots of Floyd Mayweather at a Ryzen press conference announcing that he's going to face Tenshin Nasakawa at Ryzen New Year's Eve. Well, as it turns out, Showdown Joe has served as play-by-play commentator for Ryzen. Joe, when, when we spoke, you weren't necessarily sold on this. No, actually, I wasn't because I know that the beginning of November in Japan uh, is basically the same as what we have here is April Fool's. <laughs> so I thought it was kind of funny and, you know, I contacted, um, you know, Ryzen and was having a conversation. And, you know, even the replies I was getting back were, ah, it's an April Fool's thing or it's a, it's a funny time where it's like satirical. And then it just got bigger and bigger. I'm like, hey, is this real? Or is it not real? Because, I mean, I will, like, like Sean, like you said, you went to bed that night. As I was going to bed that evening, I got a, uh, a message from Trigg. And Trigg says, do you realize we're calling a Mayweather fight? And I was just too tired. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to respond to him in the morning. I, I don't even want to get, in, if, if I get involved in this conversation, I'm not going to bed. 
And I woke up that morning and my phone just was message after message after everything on social media, every platform you can imagine. So what the heck is going on here? So contacted Ryzen and, you know, still couldn't really get the answer I was looking for because, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where if you're the play-by-play guy and or the color commentator, you sort of want to be, you know, brought up to speed prior to this information getting out there. So Frank and I had no idea. It was that tight and that under the radar for Ryzen to tell nobody. Uh, only select people that are involved with either, you know, Ryzen, uh, the, the close-knit board of directors, and or the money team. So as, as time unfolded, you know, I was sending Sean Ross Sapp messages. I'm like, dude, I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> like, I don't even know what's happening here because, you know, there's, there's other things uh, behind the scenes because this this shocked me and came out of surprise. Who would have thought May, Mayweather, A, would go to Ryzen, and B, the selection of Tenshin Nasukawa as his opponent? We still don't know the rules yet. We don't know if it's going to be a boxing boat, kickboxing boat, MMA boat. Um, you know, Floyd did try on MMA gloves, but I, 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 I to this moment, we're live on the air. I, you know, James, I, I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to say. I don't know how it's going to unfold yet. So, man, there is so much to unpack here. And James, for Tenshin Nasukawa, this is a no lose situation. Millions yeah. of millions of people know who he is now and will know who he is. Even yeah, if they I, don't fight. I, no, I was going to say, and I, sorry to interrupt. I, I was just going to say the tweet he had in response to Mayweather, talking about Conor McGregor, was just golden. Uh-oh. I mean, this guy is playing his cards very correctly. And, you know, it's just this. That's what we love about the sport. Aside from the fighting itself, the, the politics outside of it. I mean, this is something that came completely out of left field. I haven't heard a thing about this. And, and it was one of those things where... You know, I checked. It was it literally what happened was someone had posted it, and then Ariel Hawani posted it, and I was like, "Oh, is this like a fake account?" And I was like, "No, this is real." I was like, "Holy crap!" Press conference comes on. Um, yeah, this this is nuts. As far as the matchup itself, I, it ha- I, I cannot see anything where there's going to be any kicking involved or any sort of martial. Like to me, because why would Floyd Floyd do that against not like he, he's fighting a dangerous guy? To me, it's got to be something where Floyd has some sort of an advantage. So I, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but nothing will surprise me anymore after Sunday night. So, so Nashikawa, for those who, who don't know, is really a phenom, a sensation. Twenty oh, yeah. years old, but in he's fought in Ryzen what eight or nine times in since the middle of last year. It's unbelievable. I would. I wouldn't have even known that they had that many shows, and I'm aware of every show they have, Joe, because you're flying over there. I mean, I'm talking to you every week. But, I mean, he, he's competing in kickboxing. He's 27-0 there. He's 4-0 in MMA. I would be shocked, shocked. I, I think it was um, Kaposa on Twitter that said, give Nasakawa three leg kicks around and limit it to that, and he still wins. I'm inclined to believe, Joe. Believe that, yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah, it's... it's- for those that have never seen Tenshin Nasukawa, I, I'm literally saying this you know, almost facetiously, but almost comedically, shame on you. Because this kid, I, I've called all his fights at Ryzen, wizardry. He's a wizard with his body. Some of the st- his finishes of fights are all highlight real stuff. What he generally does, him, his dad is his number one trainer. Um, he's very young. Um, but the stuff he pulls off, he does one specific technique per opponent that they drill over and over again, as well as all the other stuff that needs to happen to prepare for an opponent. And it's usually something that you would see out of a video game. So he tries to pull it off sometime in the fight, once, twice, maybe three times, 
and eventually he lands it. I mean, you have to look at his highlight reel. This kid is unbelievable. Now, with that being said, if this is a boxing fight, you know, I'm obviously going to lead towards Floyd. Floyd. <laughs> but if it's anything but a boxing fight, even if it's three kicks around and or whatever, man, tension is fast. Very, very, very fast. Extremely precise with his striking and guys, powerful. You should hear the, th- I remember we're wearing, we're wearing headphones. Frank and I were calling these things. You hear the thud of stuff landing. I mean, even, even Horiguchi after the fight, after their last bow was like, man, that kid's fast. Like, I, I mean, Horiguchi put on a good show. You know, it was a great fight. It could have went sort of either way, but man, Tenshin Nasukawa is something else, man. Something else. And he is fresh off of that, that kickboxing win over Horiguchi, who is arguably the biggest star, maybe, maybe Mirko Krokop over there right now, or at least the, the highest level fighter. Although th- that is in an MMA spectrum. Let's talk about Conor McGregor's response. I'll try to get through this without laughing. Uh, Conor McGregor singled out the picture of Nasakawa and Mayweather and said, quote, Is that a track suit or a sauna suit, Floyd? Ha ha, WTF. Is it hot in Tokyo or what's the story here? That climate change is no joke. Fuck me. Ha ha ha. What in the fuck is going on here? Who's this little prick next to you? That's mad shit. Like something out of Rush Hour 5 or something. Chris Tucker and Jackie fucking Chan back in this bitch. Fucking brilliant. Mad little bastard you are, Floyd. Fair fucks to you, mate. No lie. Fuck it. End quote. And James, you mentioned his response. His He, he being Nasakawa. He says, Hello, Mr. McGregor. My name is Tenshin Nasakawa. I am not Jackie Chan. I promise to avenge your loss, so please watch my fight. <laughs> this is fantastic. God, I love it. <laughs> I had to get through a, a, a live news read trying to do that without a laugh. And I couldn't do it. But this Asian MMA scene, combat sports scene, it's gotten a real shot in the arm over the last month or so with this fight. And because of this fight, Tenshin Nasakawa, who is known to Japanese MMA and kickboxing fans already, is now known by millions more people. You have uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson heading to one. You had Eddie Alvarez heading to one. You have a Mirko Krokop over in Japan as well. So you have some name value there. James, as opposed to your interest in this region, maybe a month and a half ago, where does it stand now? Yeah, it's a lot more increased. I mean, I have to watch this. You you, you can't not watch a Floyd Mayweather fight. I mean, even, even Floyd, uh, like I describe myself as a casual boxing fan. I usually tune into most of Floyd's fights. Um, so th- this is just, you know, adding to that interest. And, um, you know, I, as I'm sure Joe can relate to, uh, well, I mean, he he's actually there commentating. But as a dad, it's tough to stay up at four in the morning and watch a lot of cards. I'll tell you what, though, I'll be getting some naps in during the day and watching this because there's no way I can miss something like this. And I, I think it helps. I think, you know, there's these great promotions like One and like Ryzen. And I think oftentimes we see the North American uh, fan base ignored to a certain degree, you know, in terms of marketing. More so One than Ryzen. Ryzen's actually brought in a lot of Americans. But now I think we're seeing that, you know, they are making it a priority and, and you are having people that will, you know, make the sacrifices to, to get up early and watch the cards. And I think it's great to answer your question. I'm way more interested now. And I think I think, you know, hopefully this is a sign of more things to come with them, you know, sort of catering more to a North American audience. It's funny. There was a column and I, I had spoken about this, about how combat sports took center stage from pro wrestling. And I actually finished that column before this Mayweather announcement. And you just have so much. And this is just the latest in that trend. You have that again. And 
even things like the MMA trade that we just experienced. Like we're seeing all this at the forefront again. And man, it feels really good. It feels good to have UFC 230 the other night. And a lot of people are talking about Daniel Cormier because even after the Miocic fight, it seemed like from a guy who covers pro wrestling as well, it seemed like it didn't necessarily have that spotlight that it deserved. Joe, man, I don't even know how to approach this. Japan really, or Asia, that, that market in particular, really on the come up. Yeah, it's a, and it's a different era from when Pride was around. That's the one thing that um, you know people don't understand. Back in the day when Pride was what it was, there was no social media. There really wasn't any social media. There was the internet. There were you know forums. There were message boards. There wasn't really there wasn't really any Facebook to be honest with you. There wasn't any Twitter. There wasn't any Instagram and stuff like that. So if something big is happening anywhere around the world, it gets bigger very very quickly via social media. You know all the different people that James had mentioned, including us three here. We're going to get it out to all of our followers, and it just compounds. So what's happening in Asia right now? Um, and, and if we look at one FC as as one example, they're you know they're having spectacular events over there, like big events, high quality. Um, you know, really, really good. Ryzen, obviously the the second coming of Pride, same ownership, uh, is now beginning to, you know, th- th- their events from day one um, have been fantastic. Every event that I've been at, I cannot, cannot explain how amazing being at a Ryzen event actually is. It, it just, it's different than a UFC. And I've been to, I mean, you guys have seen all the stuff behind my head, uh, you know, probably what? 75 UFC events that I've covered, all amazing, all great, but it's different at Ryzen. The whole show, the spectacle, the it, it's 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 hard to explain. You have to be there. Frank and I do our best, uh, along with Lenny Hart, who's just money. Lenny Hart is just absolute mm-hmm. money. Uh, and and you know, someone had told me the other day, you know, it's it's when Frank and I commentate, it's it's what it's the small things we do and that we don't do that make it that much better for the viewer. I'll never talk over Lenny Hart. Right when Mirko Krokop walks down uh, and and the Wild Boys is playing, we do we don't speak out of respect for the hardcore MMA fans. We do not speak until Mirko makes his way to the ring. And when whenever someone is is you know coming down the ramp, we wait. I wait till Lenny Hart is done because she speaks to the beat of the walkout entrance song, and then I follow that beat all the way until the fighter gets to the ring. So it's special. It's it's almost theatrical. It is theatrical. Let's be honest for a second, but. Um, it's a different way, guys. It's a different way of putting on MMA events uh, over in Asia. And it is it is special. It's something to behold. If you ever get a chance uh, to get out there, I do have some people uh, on, on my social media that are messaging me saying they've already got tickets. They're looking forward to go, uh, asking me about VIP stuff. And you know, I don't know, to be honest with you, but it's it's something else. And this you know Mayweather thing with, with Tenshin Nasukawa, it's going to be huge, man. A lot of eyeballs are going to be on Ryzen. It's a massive gamble for them. And, you know, I, I think it's going to pay off should everything, you know, align itself. Kyoji Horiguchi is on this card as well. Darren Cruikshank, who American fans will know. You have Kana Asakura. You have Tatsuya Kawajiri. And I'm sure some more names will be added. That's uh, just the first, like, 10 or so fights. Uh, Joe, are they doing, like, the, the double events again? For me, Yeah. As of right now, no. Right now, okay. it's just going to be one event, which is, uh, which you know, it's okay. It's not okay because we're used to it. Frank and I are used to going over there and calling <laughs> two events in three days. Uh, but no, because I don't think there's there's an uh, an end result tournament. You know, it would have started in September slash October. 
uh, they put all their ba- all their you know eggs in one basket with one event, uh, and obviously blew us out of the water with with Floyd Mayweather coming over there. I, I really want to see. I just want to know what kind of fight it's going to be, right? So uh, I'm sure I'll be you know made abreast of what's going to happen once we get down there. We'll, we'll know beforehand, but it's going to be crazy, man. Ryzen is one of those companies that does a good job. They get buzzed several times a year over something that happens. Even like Bob Sapp, who's been on a losing streak nonstop. He wins. He gets a little bit of buzz. And it's a good time. Justin uh, H made a good point right now on the on the uh, on the chat. Um, he's been in, impressed with Crookshank. Yeah. For those who remember Darren Crookshank, the Ryzen rules are tailor made for Darren Crookshank to head kick people, soccer kick people. Uh, there's no room for resting at Ryzen. Well, except I know Sean Ross and <laughs> James are going to say the Bob Sapp fight because uh, that was insane. <laughs> But man, they're all high level fights. Uh, everything is, it's not about winning in Japan. For those that don't know, it is not about winning in Japan. It's about putting on a performance for the fans that, that are watching and have paid uh, in attendance. There's always a beautiful speech um, after the weigh ins uh, by the ownership, Sakiki Barasan, um, Takata san. They, they give a wonderful speech explaining what the purpose of the fight, they're each and every fight. Is going to be like what it should be like because it's all about the fans you know show us that you are a warrior you will be back show us your samurai spirit you will be back show us that you're fighting to serve or you're fighting to win or you're fighting in a manner where you're going to the scorecards win or lose you won't be back so it's it's one of those things where it's and that's why you see you know these guys going out on their shield and girls they go out on their shield so yeah, it's it's a different type of fighting and no rest for the wicked man. You so much as try and rest, and a guy or girl gets you know you know what it's like, Sean. Guy gets past uh, side control and you want to just relax. Uh, you're gonna soccer kick in the mouth. So yeah, it's craziness. James, does this fight actually happen? Yeah, I, I think it will. I think wh- whether you know, okay, I, I let me clarify that. I think Floyd will be there. D- does the fight happen? I don't know. Um, d- it probably will, but I think at the very least they'll get Floyd over there. Because, you know, just, just to have him and then we'll, we'll see what actually transpires in, in the ring there. You never know, right? Like we had, you know, this is the same company that had a Jose Canseco fight. So, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. And apparently Ryzen is paying the majority of this. Supposedly with some of the money that they got from Pride. Uh, like I've heard all kinds of things. I'm just confused. It's, you know, they're... <laughs> And I keep getting sent a specific term that I'm not going to use on this on this podcast about how they're being paid. But I mean, this this does come out of left field, James. This was this was a shocker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know where they're where the, where the money's coming from. And, and the other thing is, you know, one's putting all these moves out to get you know Eddie Alvarez and potentially Sage Northcutt. I mean, we can talk about that later too because he's heading down there for the for the uh, event. But um, you know, I don't know where Ryzen comes out of here, so I don't know where the money's coming from, but I don't care. I want to watch Floyd Mayweather uh, in Japan, so so hopefully this all uh, pans out. Well, Dana White is to be believed. When he did his deposition, he said, one is a monster. People think that we're trying, we've tried to break into that area so many times, but they are a behemoth. They are a juggernaut financially. It, Joe, as it pertains to Ryzen versus one, like, where does that competition stand? I mean, you're, you're on the inside of Ryzen a little bit. Yeah, it's, I mean, um, it's tough to say because you know, Ryzen owns the Japanese market. They own the Japanese market, whereas one owns pretty much everything, as well as Road FC. But one is big uh, pretty much everywhere outside of Japan. Does that mean, can they come into Japan and hold an event? 
probably. Uh, will they be successful? Potentially. But Ryzen is all over mainstream television, Fuji TV in Japan. They've got that deal, uh, which is going to be no, no, you know, no pun intended, money on New Year's Eve, right? It's going to be just exactly what uh, Fuji TV has wanted from Ryzen, that big fight that's going to get massive ratings. Let's not forget, guys, that on, in Japan, New Year's Eve is akin to what us three or all, everyone tuning in right now understands as the Super Bowl, the commercials during Super Bowl. It's the highest rated television day of the year. And Super Bowl and those commercials are what we all look forward to as well as the game. In Japan, it's New Year's Eve. That's when everybody generally stays home to watch television up to a certain point before heading out. So the Ryzen cards pride back in the day. That's why everything ended. All those Grand Prix ended on New Year's Eve. All these big fights that happened in Ryzen uh, end on New Year's Eve or happen on New Year's Eve. So um, Ryzen, in my opinion, based on, on my own experience, having going down there and understanding the lay of the land, owns Japan. They, they pretty much own Japan. 1FC owns everything else pretty much in Asia. Uh, and, you know, they're doing really good things. James, you mentioned Sage Northcutt. He's a free agent. He's having a conversation with one. Man, I think that Asian market would be a good one for him. I mean, he's 22 years old. It is, you know, I don't want to say it's re- wrestling is absent there, but you can certainly put someone on a run where they are absent from fighting anybody with wrestling. I think that'd be a good move if the money's there, and it's not like he can't come back to UFC down the line. He's 22, James. And, and that's the one promotion we never heard about when we were talking about with free agency, which Sage Northcutt, people just assume Bellator or some of these other promotions. But one, if you think about it, is kind of a perfect fit. They can pay him the money they want. Fans will tune in. He looks like a Dragon Ball Z character to some degree with the hair and everything. So I think He's that kind of fits. guy. On exactly. top of that. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a perfect fit. Um, you know, I, I would be willing to bet that that one would probably give him the best offer in terms of dollar signs because I think for the Japanese fans, they want they they like those, you know, um not to say like mythical creatures, but but to a certain degree, someone that's that looks like a superhero, and that's exactly what Sage Northcutt looks like. You're I think right. they would appreciate him over there more as opposed to Bellator or the UFC, because you know the UFC has kind of just been a running joke that oh this guy sucks, he gets all these you know promote. Like I remember when he fought on UFC 200, that was a huge people putting their hands up on that. They're like, why is this guy fighting on here? He hasn't done anything. Um, I, I think you know at this point, I think that uh, he would be better served in the Asian market, and I think this would be a slam dunk if they could work something out. Joe? James is bang on in terms of the look that Sage brings. I mean, the Japanese fans, per se, they love that superhero. They love anything and everything that has to do um, with, you know, not, not um, oh my God, what's it called? Not Pokemon, but... Uh, Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z. That's anything related to that. And that's why Tension's hair is always a different color, styled a different way. Uh, or they love the, the homegrown, or they love their homegrown. I mean, that's just... First of all, I think it was Justin that said something on there. Um, homegrown talent is very, very important to the Japanese. And, you know, the rule of thumb when you are a promoter anywhere in the world, uh, homegrown talent, hometown talent is the number one thing that will drive uh, your business to success. A lot of promoters don't realize that. They bring all these people around uh, thinking that everyone's going to watch them. It doesn't work that way. So the Japanese, uh, they want to grow their own talent. So you get a guy like uh, Horiguchi who did spend time in the UFC because it really wasn't in, in the rise in form at the time during his contract. Um, they love, they also love the superheroes characters and they also love the homegrown um, honorable martial artist. That is a guy like uh, Kyoshi Horiguchi. So 
Um, Sage Northcutt going over there potentially to, to one fits right into that, to that appetite of larger than life, not a regular human walking down the streets, working nine to five, uh, a mythical character that can do magical things uh, in the cage or in the ring. As a former Fightful contributor, Justin Golightly points out on the chat, Floyd is getting paid more than just the money as well. He said himself, his business with them extends far beyond his one fight deal. He'll be taking Ryzen worldwide. It's less about Ryzen snagging Mayweather and more about Mayweather capturing the Japanese market for his ventures with fighting and otherwise. I think that is an outstanding point to bring up. Man, this is this is a nice... It's funny because in pro wrestling, we're seeing a landscape we've never seen before. In MMA, we're seeing one that we haven't seen in a long time. And that's other companies luring away UFC talent, UFC caliber talent, and and big names. It's very cool to see. It's very awesome to see. Speaking of uh, that transition, Ben Askren. It's been reported that he's going to face Robbie Lawler in January, UFC 233. James, what are your thoughts on this one? You know, I, I I do like this fight. It's a very stiff test for for Askren at this point, in my opinion. We know the you know the wrestling and the striking that Lawler has. It's a little bit disappointing, I'll be honest, just with the fact that this was the one guy that Askren didn't trash talk leading up to his early, you know with his return. Um, so and you know Robbie's not a trash talker either. So you, I think sort of from the entertainment side of things, leading into this fight, it's going to be a little bit disappointing. Um, it's not like Robbie's going to be able to say anything back to him. I think Darren Till would have been a, a good matchup, but I wonder if the UFC's worried that if they did match him up against Till. Till has that huge fan base. You don't want him losing two fights in a row. Um, I, I think here they really, I think sort of the thinking in this match is just, you know, how good is Askren and how much does Robbie Lawler have left? You know, he's taken some damage in the last over, you know, in his entire career. How much gas does he have left in the tank? If he can beat a Ben Askren who's undefeated, I, it certainly puts him back in the driver's seat. And for Askren, he's fighting a top-ranked guy. This is what he wanted. He wanted a top-five guy. He's getting it. You know, let's see if he can hang with the striking of Robbie Lawler. We'll see. But it's it's a great matchup. I just, you know, if I'm, I can, you know, take one thing away from it that's kind of disappointing, like I said, is the trash talk leading into it. Joe, your thoughts. This is a, this is a big get for the UFC. I don't know that they had much more with Demetrius Johnson, but that's that's another topic for when uh, Demetrius Johnson's first fight is announced, they didn't waste any time putting this together. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an all or nothing fight. If you ask me, right? Like Robbie Lawler, you are representing us, the UFC against this new signee and you better put him in his place. Ben Askren, you're getting a super tough fight. A guy that can stand and trade. Who's got good sprawling, uh, who'd be somewhat difficult to take down. Uh, and if you lose this fight, you suck. If you win this fight, we have ourselves a brand new contender that is one fight away, maybe not, maybe less than that. This this victory could land him a title shot or at least one more fight. Uh, and our the, the the fact that we signed you uh, was the right thing to do. It's just an all in fight, if you ask me. But I don't think he fights Tyron Woodley, so maybe Colby Covington if he ends up winning that because he and Woodley are, are buddies. But Askren also throw his name into the heap for those advocating a one sixty five division. He said, I know I can't make 155. I know I can't. He's like, I made 163 when I wrestled, but I know I can make 165. So he's another name that it, that is uh, encouraging that. Well, Joe, the other we, thing, the other go thing ahead. About, sorry, Sean. The other thing about um, Askren, I mean, if he gets past Robbie Lawler, James, correct me if I'm wrong, you know he's calling out George St. Pierre. Oh, yeah. Like, should. Yeah, 100%. And he should. Why? Why wouldn't he? I mean... That's the fight, is, that, a lot that's of the fight to make. About that could never happen. And now it can happen. 
Yeah, take that thing to Canada because, I mean, you're probably not going to get – I mean, you're going to get the GSP buys off of it, but I don't know if you're going to get <laughs> necessarily – I don't know that anybody expects that fight to be a barn burner, although it very well could be because GSP could jab his eye apart like he did to Koscheck and, and negate the wrestling. You never know how that will work out. But that's one that I want to see, not expecting it to be some insane fight of the year candidate. I really want to see who's better. I just want to see these two take their skill sets, match them up against one another, and see who emerges the best. James, do you think that's a fight that GSP would even really entertain? I don't think so. And you know, I, and I'm not. And you know, I, I think that if, if Ask, Askren should take advantage of that. But if you saw the media scrum that he had um, this past weekend at UFC 230, um, he kind of hinted at the fact that you know George hasn't really said anything on social media about Askren. You know, coming there. You know, I know George doesn't run his social media, but still, there's been like no chatter from George's end or anything like that. I think if I'm George, I think the only fights I want are, you know, like a Conor McGregor, a Habib Nurmagomedov, like something that's that has sort of more magnitude. Because, you know, let's be honest, the, the casual fan doesn't know who Ben Askren is. So St. Pierre's probably has that in mind when it comes to his paycheck. And he knows that is, you know, while, you know, a Ben Askren fight could be winnable for him, I think he would more so look at, at, at a bigger name, so to speak, um, in terms of opponents. Because if I'm not mistaken, he, did he not also, he didn't want to fight Nate Diaz either. And, and, and I think his Correct. thing was, you know, so, so that sort of, with, with that line of thinking, it makes me think that he wouldn't want to fight an Askren either because um, I, I think he knows that the, the name value just isn't there. I mean, it is to us, but, you know, we live in a bubble, let's be honest couple other news and notes rick glenn stepping in for the injured gilbert melendez and will fight arnold allen at the tough 28 finale james melendez can't really stay in the cage with any real consistency these days how much how much more do you think gilbert melendez uh affectionately known as giblert has left in the tank what a fall from grace. It's so unfortunate. I remember his fight with Benson Henderson, which was actually a pretty close contest in terms of that fight. And it's just pretty much gone downhill since then. You, you saw the suspension. He lost to Jeremy Stevens. He can't stay healthy. He's been in some wars. I mean, you know, you, you don't have to look too far to see some of his fights in Strike Force and Pride and, and everything else. Um, I, this might be, I mean, maybe we'll get a fight or two out of him left. That, that's about it. But it's not a good sign when he, when he has a fight this far in advance. Cause really this fight's in what this was in uh, December, was it not? Um, so, you know, for him to, to have the fight pulled out underneath the rug, uh, it, it's, it's not a good situation for him. And he really needs to fight. He just, he's been so inactive. Angela Lee also out of her one championship title fight. But Joe, we did not get your, uh, thoughts on UFC 230. Main event, Daniel Cormier just mollywopped Derek Lewis, abused him. No Brock Lesnar. He was busy in Saudi Arabia winning WWE titles. But Daniel Cormier said, hey, bring that title. What did you think of, of Derek Lewis's performance and Daniel Cormier's performance? Well, I mean, as predicted during the last show, I, I, I said, in looking at this fight, Daniel Cormier is going to take him down at will uh, and eventually submit him because he's not going to want to stand and trade with him too long. He's going to stand and trade with him until Derek Lewis realizes – uh, oop, I'm going to be airborne, uh, and eventually he'll get that submission. So that, that's how I looked at the fight. I mean, it doesn't always happen when you look at, uh, like I said it before, Gray Maynard always told us paper doesn't fight paper, uh, but that's what I saw on paper, that the, the stylistic matchup with Daniel Cormier, this you know incredible wrestler, unbelievable mixed martial artist, taking on a, a you know literally a black beast that could strike and punch her head into the second row. So uh, Daniel was cordial and was very, you know, polite and, and, and correct in his post-fight uh, interview, basically saying, you know what, Derek, you know, there's, there's certain levels that people have to be at to compete against him. And Derek Lewis just isn't at that level. So um, I'm happy for Daniel, you know, champ champ. And it's just, 
you know, I'm, I'm happy that people are finally realizing that this guy is absolutely uh, more than that, all that heat that he was getting uh, a while ago. He's a good guy. He's a family man, busts his tail. Uh, you know, he did a, James, you weren't there at the time. He actually did a media workout. There were four different stations for the media at one of the UFC events. Uh, there was something I'd, I'd, I'd spoken to with a couple with Schaller and, and, and Jen Wink way beforehand about, you know, why don't you get the media one day to get together before we interview these guys and actually have us show up there in our shorts, uh, gloves, whatever, and actually train. Not many showed up. And those that did, when you got over to the wrestling station with Daniel Cormier, oh, man, you were breaking a sweat. And he's just an amazing coach. Uh, an incredible mixed martial artist. So good on him, and you know, and there goes the John Jones stuff back and forth, blah 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 blah. So, yeah, that's another story for another day, I guess. Also on that show, Weidman Jockery, what a fight they had! Unbelievable stuff. Uh, <laughs> what do you think is next for Weidman? What do you think is next for Jockery, Joe? Tough to say because you know, I I I, I want to be careful with some of the words that I use when I describe some fighters. You guys know that. I don't, I don't like talking trash if I've had a bad experience with fighters before. I just thought um, I didn't see the fight live. Um, and then, you know, whenever someone that's kind of not been so nice to me in the past, I kind of like, yeah, karma's going to get you. You're going to feel it one day. Uh, and it happened a lot to Chris Weidman. Uh, but then I watched the fight. And... The, the the analyst, the fight guy inside of me, even though we've had bad experiences in the past, I'm like, that guy's got heart, man. He came there, looked fantastic in my opinion, uh, did really, really good in that fight there, but eventually got caught. And Sosa, as I mentioned last week, we talked about it, guys, that that guy throws bombs. But the one thing, um, Sean, I'm sure you caught it, James, I'm pretty sure as well, Sosa fights in pockets. He fights in stages, explodes, lets his opponent counter, accepts whatever his opponent throws his way until he gets tired, and then Jacare then uh, begins to pick up the face. So he'll explode, cruise, explode, cruise. And you saw that with this Chris Wyman fight, and eventually he just got the best of him. And um, I think Jacare looked really damn good, although I don't know really how much stock to put into that. As for who's next, guys, it's, it's, it's tough to say because Wyman kind of, you know, obviously sets, him back, sets himself back with this loss, although it was a fantastic performance. You know, I guess we got to see what's going to happen with Whitaker um, when he defends his title. I'm interested about these bad experiences with Chris Weidman. <laughs> it's all good. I want some scoops. I want yeah. some dirt, Joe. I'll say this. I've been around the game long enough that if if you are the type of character or individual to just not be a good person or a good human being – Interview is cut short. Take care. Don't want to see you. So all the best to you. What did he Um, do to you, Joe? It's just, you know, whatever. It happened. It's not the only one. It's just, you know, I I probably can count on that on one hand. Some of the guys that I'm like, I don't care what happens to you in your career. And they end up all losing. Eventually, everyone loses, right? That's just the way it is. already. Come on. I'm going to write a book. I just know that if I do, once that book is released, if I put in some of the chapters that I want to put in there, I'm going to get a lot of heat. Who cares? Yeah, we'll see. One day. Israel Adesanya made an incredible impression. James and I uh, spoke about it at length on that uh, post-show podcast. What did you think, Joe? This was a – I mean, it's a star-making year for him. Yeah, I I think we talked about it before, guys. That kid doesn't surprise me. He's unbelievable. From from his very first fight in the UFC, it was almost like, yep, there you go. Watch this kid fight. And anything he does – just, just the, the 
interviews James has done with him, listen to how he speaks. Listen to how he breaks things down. Listen to his analogies. This is an extremely intelligent human being who's got the ability to execute things in the cage that we haven't seen since John Jones. And John Jones is now coming back, and he's going to be doing it as well. These are two fighters that are magical, that are unbelievable uh, in executing whatever they need to do. And the striking precision is something else. I mean, he, he made Derek Brunson look, Brunson look really, really um, like they shouldn't even been in the same cage. Do you know what I'm saying? And, you know, people were like, oh, this is the test. This is the big test for, for Israel. I was like, that's not the test I'm looking for. The test I'm looking for is Whitaker. We also had Jared Cannonier. James, you, you spoke to him, and he was over the moon about this fight, about getting yeah. this chance against David Branch. I think it, a lot of people – he really opened himself up and exposed himself to a lot of people. And this is a guy who fought at heavyweight and light heavyweight. Where do you think he goes from here? Jared Cannonier before we get Joe's thoughts. Um, yeah, it, it was a huge win. He sort of, it was a high risk, high reward fight and, and it paid off for him uh, in terms of what's next. Um, I, I think you can, you can go a number of different ways with this. Uh, just looking sort of at the rankings right here. Um, the one guy that I was sort of thinking of was, uh, was Brad Tavares. Cause he's with say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Out of fight right now. He was, he was another highly ranked guy. Um, you know, lost out of Sonia. You know, where I think it would be, give us a good indication as to where Jared fits in there because he knocked out Branch, but how is he going to do against the rest of the guys at 85? Uh, you could also throw him, you know, maybe a prospect or, or something along those lines. Uh, maybe maybe the winner of Elias Theodoro and um, Eric Anders. That would be an interesting fight. But I think nonetheless, he took out a top ranked guy. You know, it's kind of like that Alex Hernandez thing when he made his debut and he beat Darius. You know, where does he fit? They put him up pretty high. I think with Cantonier, um, you know, him getting a win over or Branch, I think that should definitely, uh, you know, have him in the conversation of the top 15 for sure. Joe, your thoughts on this this big upset? I mean, Dave Branch was the top 10 rated guy or ranked guy, double champion in World Series of Fighting. Jared Cantonier, who has shown some glimpses of brilliance in the past, really seemed like he put his stamp on the division and he's going to be a guy that, that people always have to worry about now. Yeah, I, I, I like the Brad Severus fight, but for me, it's shoe face. I want to see him fight Antonio Carlos Jr. That's the fight that I would like to see because that's going to push both of these guys, uh, and the one guy that makes a mistake is going to pay for it, right? And if, if Cannoneer um, keeps his footwork going and punishes Carlos or, or, or shoe face as much as we've seen, you know, not, not many guys can do it. Not many guys can punish him, and if that fight goes down to the ground, then we get a real test to see where Cannoneer's ground game is in terms of submission defense. That's the fight I want to see. I think with Tavares, James, James we're, we're going to get a stand-up fight, you know, late kicks and just pounding and pounding and pounding until somebody's will to win uh, subsides due to the, you know, the trauma. 
uh, and then we'll take it from there. But with with shoe face, I think we get a mixed martial arts fight where you get too close, son, you're going down to the ground. So we also have UFC Denver coming up this weekend. Have a live post show following that, the 25th anniversary show. Subscribe to that MMA and Boxing YouTube channel. Search it in YouTube. I think I have the, the link in the description below. Help out your buds at Fightful.com. James has spoken to several fighters from this show. You can check out on that YouTube channel. We start off on, on this Fight Pass prelim show, and I want to talk about the schedule after we we really dive into UFC Denver. That will be the last thing we talk about, how 2019 is looking but we may be seeing the end of fight pass cards here. It, it really depends. It, we we don't know as of yet. But Joby Sanchez is such an interesting name because you can tell the UFC likes the guy because he, well, for better or for worse, I don't know how much they liked him when they, they fired him after going two and two in the UFC, but he got two shots on contender series. Didn't get the call after the first one, did after the second one which were about five, six weeks apart. Lost his UFC debut, but they're giving him another crack at things. James, this trajectory is real weird. I say that the UFC likes him, but man, it is a weird trajectory. It's like they hire him. You're in that flyweight division. You don't lose out. You go two and two. You're fired. Well, here, here's your shot at Contender Series. You win. You're not hired. But we'll give you another fight on there. Here you go. Then they still keep him around, even though he he lost his debut fight and he's taking this fight on short notice it is an unusual situation for him yeah i think part of that is because he's a jackson wink guy i think they let you know ufc tends to favor guys like that they, they want to bring them back um you know he's just he's been a little bit disappointing i mean that loss of roberto sanchez looks even worse now with how sanchez looked in his last fight so um you know hopefully sanchez can uh, joby sanchez that is can bounce back uh in, in this fight but he's taking on mark Della rosa now interestingly enough um, I see on Tapology here that they have uh, this listed as a flyweight fight. I spoke to Mark, and uh, he said that it's bantamweight. So uh, Mark was supposed to fight Espinosa. I can't see them changing it back to, to flyweight when Mark's already agreed to the fight because um, this also was a short-notice fight for Mark as well because I think he was supposed to fight Jordan Espinosa. They put the fight together, and then now Espinosa's out and Joby Sanchez is in. So, uh, so yeah, it's interesting. But to answer your question, um, I'll, just, I'll just say it's because it's the Jackson Wink guy, and, uh, and he has good management. Uh, Iridium Sports, got to give them a quick shout-out. They signed three, three UFC fighters last week. Pretty incredible. Also, probably just a smart move to leave this at Bantamweight for reasons that are not yet <laughs> yes. really out there yet. Why? I mean, why not do it? Why not do it? Uh, we have Joseph Morales, Eric Shelton on this show. Um, when I look at that fight, I think jo- Eric Shelton is essentially fighting for his job. He's lost three of four. Um, he or His opponent missed weight and beat him in his last fight. So, I mean, how much can you hold that against him? But this is another flyweight fight. And I think that they would be all too happy to thin that roster out from the from the flyweight perspective if Shelton were to lose. You have Davi Ramos versus John Gunther. Now, you had a very interesting interview with Gunther <laughs> Lynch. Does he literally live in his car or does yes. he – the rumors are true. He lives in his car. Not only that, he has graffiti all over his car. And uh, he says that because he, which he thought was a good idea, like, you know, decorating it, but it's actually uh, made things worse because now police, he's more attractive to police because, you know, you're not allowed to sleep in your car in, in certain areas. So he's had, he's had issues with that where he's had to move his car and find other places to stay. But he's just, 
he's he's an odd guy. You know, he's he's the 2018 version of Luke Kumo, in my opinion. He's one of these guys <laughs> just a little bit out there. And uh and and I think and, and that's fine. Like we like just to give you an example, when he won his fight um in, in these UFC debut, uh, you know, we asked him about you know what it's like to you know stay in a hotel. He slept on the floor in the hotel because he doesn't he doesn't like sleeping in beds. He's just been so used to sleeping in sort of an uncomfortable position. So that's all you need to know about John Gunther. Very out there guy, uh, just totally out there. Um, he was even telling me that, uh, you know, if you watch our interview on Fightful, he, we were talking about elevation masks, and he says that it was a waste of money. He says he could have just taken a sock and used that instead to save oh, money on it. So, I mean, this is the type of guy you're dealing with. Uh, very out there, but uh, an interesting guy. And, uh, you know, this is a horrible matchup for him. He's facing Davey Ramos, who's a yeah. submission specialist. He's a huge favorite. I, last time I checked the line, he was like minus 700, uh, Ramos. But this I is... Yeah, so I think the biggest favorite on the card right now. Um, not looking good for Gunther, but uh, what what a just an interesting guy. He's sort of a a nice uh, you know addition to this card. He made twenty grand a few months ago. It's so confusing to me. What does he spend his money on? Does he say? Does he? No, I think he just likes living that like very, very modest, very simple lifestyle. He doesn't have to pay. Like he kind of hinted at it in the interview too, where he was talking about how like, you know, I don't have to worry about my electricity bill. I don't have to worry about, you know, all these other things. I guess he just likes sort of that um, minimalist lifestyle, but the car version. And, and he likes the fact that if he wants to go train somewhere, he doesn't have to get up super early. He can just drive to the gym and then he's ready to go. So, I mean, there are some advantages living in your car. I mean, I have known some people like that. I mean, I think most of us who have spent time around gyms do people who you'll show up at the gym at 10, 11 AM and they'll be there. And if you come back six, 7 PM, they'll still be there. I mean, he could shower at the gym. I mean, they do have those amenities there and uh, that's boy, that's unique. When I, I assigned David T's that interview to, to do. And I was like, man, this is kind of depressing, kind of odd, but, I mean, approach this. It is it is incredibly interesting. Uh, also incredibly interesting, Benil Dariush and the trajectory that he's on because, whew, what, what an interest. It's just, it's just odd. Alex Hernandez made his name off of knocking out Benil Dariush. And Dariush has not won any of his last three fights. And he has two wins in his last six fights. Joe, he needs a win here to stay relevant at all, in my opinion. He has a he has a few great wins. Crookshank, that win looks better than ever because of his recent run. Jim Miller, he's a he's a guy who's been around forever. Michael Johnson was a guy who roll the dice, see see if he'll win or not. And James Vick is a great win. Rashid Magomedov, a great win. He's beaten some outstanding fighters, but not lately. Today's November sixth, right? Last yeah. time. Um, he won was November 5th, 2016. Yeah. Back then, years. I guarantee you, nobody was saying two years later, we're talking about you fighting for your job, Benil Dariush. No, no, I, I don't care who you are. Nobody would have said that. And in just two years, that's a Barbosa, Evan Dunham, uh, and Alexander Hernandez. We're talking about a guy who, you know, he was in the title mix. He was a guy that's like, you know what? You are one or two fights away from potentially being in that title mix, if not a title shot, just keep doing what you're doing to the point where you're like, oh boy, Saturday night's going to be a difficult one for you. You better emerge victorious or you you could be cut. You could be released by the UFC. Weird. James, I want to know your thoughts. Does he win or does he end up fighting a pit bull brother somewhere in the Middle <laughs> East at 3.30 in the afternoon on a Friday by the end of next year? 
I'll just I'll say this is a tough fight, and I'll also mention, uh, you know, without giving too much away, this was not the original fight that was supposed to happen. There's another lightweight on this card who he was supposed to fight, and he opted not to to fight him. Uh, just you know, speaking to management, speaking to people in the know, there's another uh, fighter on this card that was supposed to fight Darius. You guys can figure it out here. Um, but but to Joe's point quickly um, about about Darius, I think the catalyst was there on how to beat Darius. Remember the Ramsey Nijem fight? That was a fight that he was he was a huge favorite going into. I'm, I'm going way back here, 2014 UFC Fight Night uh, 39. Nijem basically just flurried him and Darius didn't know what to do he got knocked out quickly it was a you know quick knockout in the first round and that's basically what Alex Hernandez did in his last fight I think if, if you come out aggressive and you're able to get in there on the inside on Darius he, he's not he's not good backing up and I think that's that's sort of the way you beat this now his opponent uh, Tiago Moises uh, very good fighter former RFA champion he actually beat Zach Freeman uh, in RFA to win the title ended up losing to Robert Watley who we now see is in PFL but uh, he was on contender series and he bit, it's kind of an interesting story i'll mention on this uh moises uh he's an american top team guy really young guy he uh he ended up getting the contender series call on on contender series brazil at like literally like maybe 48 hours notice he goes in there he knocks out the guy in the first round and he's he's told he's gonna get a fight book soon but he hasn't heard anything and uh you know when i spoke to him he said that basically they just gave him this fight because you know i guess like i said darius was supposed to fight someone else he gets this opportunity. Now he's able to go fight him. And, and I mentioned the age there. Moise is 23 years old, obviously a wizard on the ground, has some knockout power too, as we saw in his last fight. Very dangerous fight for Benil Darius as well. I don't know if this was necessarily the better switch up, but uh, we'll see. I, I, you know, I, I think there's definitely some value here in Moises as an underdog. You also spoke to both members of this women's strawweight fight, Ashley Yoder, Amanda Cooper. I'm inclined to believe that both women are fighting for their jobs. However, you have Yoder, who has lost three in a row already. Cooper hasn't necessarily, but she's three and four. Now, that being said, Amanda Cooper has fought some killers. She fought Mackenzie Dern, Cynthia Calvillo, Tatiana Suarez, and Aspen Ladd. She's only got seven fights, and those are four of the people that she fought, James. She has not had an easy go of it, although she did fight Angela Magana once, so uh, you, you could argue that. I think that... Uh, Yoder is fighting for a job. I don't necessarily think Cooper is, but you spoke to both of them. What kind of vibe did you get from them? Well, Cooper, I, they both lost actually Mackenzie Dern in their last fight. So that, that is interesting. And uh, Cooper, especially, I mean, she had to go down to Brazil and fight Dern and Dern missed weight and she still took the fight anyway. So I think, um, I, I think for her, it's, uh, you know, for, for, for Cooper, um, you know, just, it's fixing those little mental mistakes. We know her standup's good, but you know, Dern actually dropped her in that fight. So it's one of those things where can she make those adjustments to, to, to get better? Um, you know, she's brought in a lot of other fighters to, to, you know, help her out for this fight. Andrea Lee, uh, Montana Stewart or De La Rosa, I should say, um, it, it was helping her as well. Uh, so she's getting some different looks ahead of this matchup. She talked a little bit about that. And, um, you know, the interesting thing with Yoder is that, you know, she doesn't train with any women. Uh, she's at Team Quest with Dan Henderson. So she's just training with guys. Um, you know, I think that and, and the other kind of interesting aspect of this, they were both on the same season of the Ultimate Fighter. So they've kind of have been familiar with each other, not friends per se. I talked to both of them. They basically just said, you know, they're cordial. So, you know, could they pick up something there? I, I tend to think they're both sort of fighting for their job. I know uh, Cooper has that win over Magana, but I think that was kind of a kind of a gimme fight for her. You know, she's from Michigan. That fight was in Detroit. I, I think you know she was going to sell a lot of tickets. I think they wanted a good performance out of her, but they both need to impress in this fight. And uh, I honestly don't know who wins because I think they both have their you know they both have uh, you know certain certain ways they can win this fight. But um, we'll see. I think that either way, um, you know, sh- should be a good matchup because, like I said, I think there is a lot on the line for both of them in terms of uh, being employed by the UFC after this. Chaz Skelly also on this prelim show, a nice name there as well. 
Uh, on the main card, the Fox Sports 1 main card, you have Trezano and Pena, Barber, Barber and Seifers. You actually broke the news of this, the latter fight, James, and you, you've spoken to, I believe, all four of these people at some point over the last couple months. Yeah, if, if you guys haven't picked up on the theme here, I've interviewed more fighters for this Denver card than any other site. Don't even don't even bother watching the pre-fight stuff from other sites. You can watch it right now, literally on Fightful. We've oh, pretty oh, much you, know, you know what I love? Sorry to interrupt you. Love Sorry it. to interrupt you. Is when somebody will say, yeah, but I don't know who that fighter is. Well, you know who Jared Cannonier is now? And yeah. James interviewed him. You know who Colby Covington is? James has been interviewing him for a very long time. Israel Adesanya, James has been inter- interviewing him for a very long time. How about Curtis Blades? That guy who probably should have a title shot up next. James has interviewed him for quite some time. You make these relationships early. You show that they you give a shit, and James does give a shit. And then later on, when they are big stars, you, you foster those relationships, and you have interviews with big names. I always point to the Zach Freeman incident, how you were the only guy to talk to him, and he let everybody know it after that fight. Uh, so you never know, and uh, I think Hannah is a, a pretty live dog here. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting fight. I don't know if she's a live dog. We'll see. I mean, she has the experience here, but I am I'm very high on Macy Barber. You talked about those relationships. I interviewed Macy after I think her second LFA fight. Um, she's been on a roll. She definitely passed with flying colors on Contender Series, taking out a tough veteran and Jamie Colleen. Um, she's at Factory X now, which you know I've raved about that camp. Uh, you know, and and the fact that she's been in Denver training there, getting the elevation training, I think that's going to look uh, look well here. I mean, everything from everyone that I've talked to has said that Macy Barber is the real deal, including uh, Brandon Gibson, who you know worked with her briefly. I, I know uh, you know last year, I think. Um, I, I you know I I would think that you know the, the pressure's on Barber here to win because there is a lot of hype here. So in terms of Cyphers being a dog, I, I can I can see that. But I don't know, man. I, I think Macy, you know, the, her, her old Instagram name was the future world champion. She really believes she'll be the youngest UFC champion to get it done. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. There, there's two ways someone can be confident. Uh, you know, it comes across as, you know, they're, they're overconfident or they really believe in what they're doing. We'll see what happens on Saturday. This, is, this to me, is the fight to watch because if Cyphers can halt the, t- the hype train here, because I think Maya Stevenson, the original opponent, I think that was kind of a layup for Macy here to make her debut. Cypher's uh, much tougher, has some quality wins here. So it's going to be a great fight. Just don't miss this one. Trust me when I say I, I think uh, Macy Barber is going to be a fighter to watch going forward. I I've, wanted- called, uh, I've called Hannah's fights, uh, the last two or three fights uh, over at Titan FC, so I can attest to say how tough she is. I don't know, um, you know, James, if you got into it, that you know she hunts, traps, kills, skins squirrels, and eats them. Yeah. She grabs tortoises or just turtles in general with her bare hand. Well, she she looks like she could squeeze the guts out of them with her bare Dude, hand. Dude, shake her, her hands. She lives literally, uh, you know, they've got the ranch. They've got this farm that she lives on. She leaves in the morning, goes out, hunts, kills, drags, brings back to the shop, whoop, skins them, cleans them puts them in the freezer. She's just, you know, uh, a friend of mine that I have, we call her the farmer's daughters, you know, old school, just like that. Just, you know, Hannah's like that. Uh, I do want to make a, a comment regarding what James said. Um, I think, Sean Rossap, I think you have the ability to mute James sometimes. And when James goes off on, on Tiago Moises uh, and says that he's got the ability to beat Daniel Dario, she killed every single one of us that was hoping the line James would go this way, but James <laughs> insight now makes the line go this way. Now we can't look at Tiago and put money on him. Cause James is going to James alone is going to move that line closer to, I bet you Moises might be a favorite on Saturday. James, you killed it 
for all the guys that want to wage it. So I think we have to figure out a way to mute James when going <laughs> on. No, good job, James. Excellent, bud. James, no, no. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Maya Stevenson, who was originally scheduled for this fight. She has not had a good go of it. I mean, she had basically a solid six-month run that got her on to tough. Because before that six-month run in 2016, where I think she reeled off four straight wins, she was like one and three. And she had a, had a fight with Heather Clark pulled. If she would have won that fight, it would have looked really good. But the last couple of years, she, she got pulled from her fight against Gabby Romero. She lost to Sajara Eubank. She lost to Pollyanna Viana when they gave her a shot. And now she got hurt here. A rough go of it for her. Yeah, and I, I don't even know the injury. I reached out to her management. She's managed by Ali Abdelaziz, and uh, I, I didn't get a response. So I know, and the only reason I knew is because Macy, when I did my interview with her, she was like, "Yeah, I'm not fighting her anymore. This is 100 confirmed." So um, yeah, I and and it's just it, it's tough, right? Because you know you have the strawweight division is always moving along. There's so many fighters, so many uh, you know um, you know prospects that are really sort of making a name for themselves. So this was a fight where May, uh, Maya could have stolen some thunder here from Macy, who's undefeated, but now she's injured, and and I don't know if she'll get another fight we'll see because uh you know it's uh it's not like she's getting any younger uh, in a division that is relatively young so we'll, we'll see what happens in terms of what's next for her yeah two of my i got five on it hannah john gunther they are just such ridiculous underdogs gunther especially i do not expect either of these two to win i think that if uh, if you were to put five on hannah it'd be much more likely than gunther but just put five on a parlay with those two you'll make a killing if they both come yeah. in Joseph Benavidez, Ray Borg. First off, Joe, does Ray Borg make weight? Yes. I hope he does. He's been through a lot. I want him to make weight. He hasn't fought since Demetrius Johnson. He was supposed to fight at UFC 223 against Brandon Moreno, but the Conor McGregor incident unfolded. James, you were there when that happened. I mean, you know, there are a lot of, man, like I said, he's been through a lot and he missed weight over and over again. He had that situation happen. Then he pulled out, I think it was a month later, maybe because of uh, having to take care of his child with brain surgery, but he's facing Joseph Benavidez, man, that ain't an easy one to come back and fight after you've been off for a year. Yeah, more than a year. Uh, well, yeah, I guess October of 2017 was the last time he fought. Yeah, it's been a very long time. This is one of those fights where, I mean, I wouldn't recommend any put anyone put any money on this one because it is such a – there's so many variables that go into this. I mean, with Borg, you have the personal you know stuff with his son, unfortunately, and you have the whole Conor McGregor thing and fans, you know, just being assholes on social media. Even with all this child, you know, people feeling, feeling sorry for his, his son and everything, there's still assholes out there who want to rag on this guy for, for the whole uh, UFC 223 thing because fans are morons, uh, some of them anyways. I should say. Um, and then and then you have, you know, Benavidez, who had a pretty bad performance in his last fight against Sergio Pettis. I know Pettis looked good, but that was a fight where Benavidez, I think, was favored heading into the fight. And he just he didn't look great. And I know he had the layoff. He hadn't fought in you know a couple of years. Um, but but still, uh, there's so many question marks on both of these guys. Um, you know, in terms of Borg making weight, I have no idea. I mean, how do you do this when you have all these other things going on, um, you know, outside of the cage? Are you able to, you know, get those meals that you want if you're going to the hospital? I don't know. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to expect in this fight because I think, you know, even for Benavides as well, I know he, um, he's not an alpha male anymore. He's uh, now in Vegas training there. Um, you know, how's that? How's he going to look? How's he going to bounce back after that fight against Pettis, which he didn't look very good? So, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, again, there's too many question marks in this fight for me. One of the top flyweights of all time, Joe. But 
there is a trend. He is getting older. Benavidez is 34. He lost his last fight to Sergio Pettis. He probably uh, should have lost to Henry Cejudo. Cejudo had a point deducted. Hasn't finished anybody since April 2014. And he was a guy that came into this flyweight division. You could point at him when people said, flyweights don't finish people. And you could say, well, yeah, they do, because he finished Formiga and he finished Tim Elliott and uh, Yurishitani, all these people. But there, there are a lot of variables, as James pointed out. Well, between both of you, you guys nailed it. And that's why the line is Joseph Benavidez minus 105, Ray Borg minus 115. It's virtually a pick em fight, although my brain will automatically go over to Joseph Benavidez and say, you know what, you're going to win this fight. You're going to finish this fight. The other side of me looks at the intangibles and says, well, wait a second. Both these guys have different things going on in their lives that, you know, you you almost think they shouldn't be fighting, but they are fighting. And, you know, it's going to be one of those things. And and it's the old adage that, you know, GSP has always said. uh, He's told me, he's told so many different people. It's not the best fighter that wins. It's the best fighter that night that wins. And I think this is a perfect example. Uh, The best fighter that night is going to win, not the best fighter overall, because Joseph's a better fighter. but. You know, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen here. I, I think it's going to be an exciting fight. Uh, I know the whole weight thing is going to be a, you know, a topic of conversation on Friday. Uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic fight. And, and either way, uh, I think we see a finish, guys. There's a very, very interesting fight. Raquel Pennington, Jermaine Durand. I mean, let me hit you with some interesting stats about how little Jermaine Durand and me fights. <laughs> she has not fought since February 2017 when she won the featherweight championship. She has fought for 10 years. She has 10 fights. She has never, uh, hasn't fought more than once in a year since 2013. Only twice during those 10 years has she fought more than once a year. And as I mentioned, how John Jones technically fights every single year. Uh, outside of 2014, the same is the case with uh, Durandamy over the last few years. She'll have fought in March 2015, May 2016, February 17, and November 2018. She cannot stay in the cage. Joe, does she show up on fight night? That is always a question with Jermaine Durand and me. Oh, my God. I'm not, I can't even believe you just said that. Um, <laughs> the good guy in me says, yes, she signed a contract. She's going to show up there despite you know what history has shown us. Um, I, I, yeah, it, it's, it's tough for me to say because even Raquel's a, a, an underdog in this fight here. But I, I really want to see this fight. Uh, and, 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 you know, obviously I'm going to be rooting for Raquel because she's such a sweetheart. She's just a great person, great human being. Um, I, I, I like this scrap, uh, but, you know, leave it to SRS to kind of give us this MMA God's karma to think, oh, my God, Jermaine may not show up for this fight or make weight or do anything. So, yeah, I got I mean, that. She, she's pulled out of just, uh, more fights than she's competed in over the yeah. last several years. She pulled out of the Dedavia fight, the Coffin fight, Ashley Evan Smith fight, the Renault fight. She was given the Cyborg fight and turned it down. James, at one point, Jermaine Durandamy was the only woman in the world calling out Chris Cyborg. Then when she was given the fight, it didn't happen. I mean, there was a point where she called out Cyborg. They made the fight, and then Cyborg said, no, we're not doing that. Then it went the other way around. It is as if it's not difficult enough to deal with the Cyborg situation. You got Durandamy, who I think one-upped her. I didn't think you could one-up Cyborg in that regard, but... (laughs) I'm very interested in the fight because Pennington is legit. And you spoke to her earlier this year. A lot of people thought that Pennington would drop to 125. She said, no, I can't do that. I am built really thick. That is not the way that it's going. So you have two legit Bantamweight contenders. You have a former Bantamweight title challenger against a former featherweight champion. How do you see this one going? And and let's talk about all the, the stuff that goes into this. 
I do favor Pennington in this fight just because of the fact that she's been more active, um, you know, outside of the loss to Amanda Nunes. Uh, she's, she's looked great. I mean, I still hold that win over Misha Tate in, in high regard at UFC 205. Um, so you have to sort of look at that. I know Durandamy beat Holly Holm. That was at 145. Just the, the inactivity, the age, all these things sort of worry me a little bit about her in this fight. So I, I think Pennington's someone to, to keep an eye on. Um, but but again, you never know because, uh, you know, who knows how good or I, we haven't seen Durandamy in the gym. We don't know what she's been working on. We don't know anything. But if I have to pick, just based off what I've seen, I have to go Pennington in this fight. Raquel Pennington started her MMA career as an amateur a few months after Jermaine Durandamy did as a pro. In that time, uh, Pennington has fought professionally 15 times, exhibition three times, and as an amateur eight times that we know about. Durandamy is going to be in her 11th fight, although she had an extensive kickboxing career before her MMA days. But I'm just talking strictly in the last 10 years. It is amazing how much more active Pennington has been. That being said, Pennington uh, is has, didn't fight at all in 17. She had that terrible injury that, that sidelined her, has fought once in 2018. So since that Misha Tate win, she has she has one fight and she's lost that. This is another one like the Borg Benavidez fight. Man, I've got a lot of question marks about it, and hopefully those are answered on Saturday night. And quite frankly, I don't know what the hell Duranami is going to do after this anyway. Because if she wins, you have a, a if she wants to fight Cyborg, she could fight Cyborg. But who knows how that will even go? Donald Cerrone, Mike Perry, I got five on. <laughs> Roni, a plus 175 in some places. This surprises me uh, because I feel like Donald Cerrone is a much more complete fighter than Mike Perry. That being said, there have been times when I've looked at Donald Cerrone and said, man, you're not, he doesn't put it all together. He has lost four of his last five, but I don't think you can count Donald Cerrone out of any fight. James, how do you think this one goes? Think, yeah, because I mean, Perry a lot of people see as the mo- the new Cerrone in some regards. Yeah, I, I like Perry in this fight. I, th- I think, uh, you know, you just look at his, his last fight against Paul Felder, just an absolute war. He was able to go out there and, uh, you know, really p- put the hurt on Paul Felder. And with Cerrone, I think the big issue here is, you know, just injuries and wear and tear. I mean, you look at his last fight against Leon Edwards. He was apparently hurt going into it. He just didn't look himself in that fight. Um, I know this is in Denver. I know that's, uh, I believe, I, I think he's been training a bit in Denver as well ahead of this matchup. So that'll certainly help. But you just look at the wear and tear. And, and I think that's why you see Mike, Mike Perry as a minus 210 favorite in this one. And I, ha- I tend to agree here. I think you have to go with the fresher guy as much as on paper Cerrone is the better fighter there comes a point in a fighter's career where they just don't have it anymore in terms of being able to sustain the damage that they're used to inflicting and I think Perry's going to put it on him and there's this whole issue with Jackson Wink where Cerrone used to train there there's some clearly some bad blood I mean I've talked to other fighters at Jackson Wink that say they're happy I you know there's a one of um Cerrone's training partner said that, you know, I, I'm so glad this guy doesn't train here anymore. He never did anything for the gym. You've got Diego Sanchez going after him. So there's clearly a split. Uh, we saw, you know, Lando Venata part of that as well, too. Um, How is that going to play into this fight with, with Perry, you know, being a Jackson Wink guy? So I think there's a lot riding on here, and, and I have to favor Perry. Jay or Joe, your thoughts? Uh, simple. Sean, do not put five on it. <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm, I could be wrong, and on Tuesday you will shame me uh, next Tuesday, or even in the post-fight show, you're probably going to rip me apart, but do not put five on Cerrone. All right. I'm, I'm still putting five on him. <laughs> I still Stop. am. Because I am I am usually right when we go head-to-head like this. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Main event, 
Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung against Yair Rodriguez. The line is minus 130 to plus 110. You might as well just hack that line in half. They're going to go in. They're going to slug it out. Yaya Rodriguez throws so much spinning shit that, and there's literally no way that I can predict what's going to happen here, Joe. I have no clue what's going to happen. I know they're going to hit each other in the face multiple times until one person can't anymore or until the final bell rings. That's what's going to happen, Joe. Yeah, I'm not putting five on either one of these guys because there's not <laughs> enough value, but you're correct. We don't know what's going to happen. To call it a, like a, it's like a John Jones slash Israel Adesanya fight. You, you don't know what they're going to do. Yair Rodriguez brings an explosive, exciting style, or we may see something more reserved with Yair, considering what happened with him uh, and Frankie Edgar. So it all depends. I just think Yair does pull off this victory, and but it won't be easy. Uh, it is scheduled for five rounds, and it could be a punishing, punishing fight uh, for the Korean Zombie. Remember, Korean Zombie doesn't go away. He will not go away. So you're, he's either getting choked unconscious. Uh, or he's going to sleep because he got punched or kicked in the skull. So that it, that means Yari Rodriguez uh, has a lot of work to put in there. Uh, he could pull off the first round victory, who knows? But uh, James, I'm looking at Yair in this fight and saying, you know what? You had your your, your setback with Frankie. You're back where you need to be. James, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this is a much better matchup for Yair Rodriguez than uh, Zabit uh, Megas Shapirov because um, I don't know what they were thinking with that matchmaking. Good, good way to kill two prospects right there, by the way. Um, but no, I, I, the, the real question is, how is Yair Rodriguez? We've seen fighters before. When you lose the way he did against Frankie Edgar, can you come back from that? That is a, that is a question mark that I have heading into this fight. Now, uh, Yair, the younger guy, obviously a very unorthodox style, has some quality wins. We can't ignore that. You know, Dan Hooker, Andre Feely. Um, you know, finishes and, uh, you know, he's, he's looked relatively good other than the Edgar fight and Jung, he's just been so inactive. I mean, uh, you know, he had the military service and then he came back and knocked up Bermudez. This is such a, another big question mark for me. I think if I had to make a pick, I'm probably going Korean zombie just overall, uh, you know, he's his durability and everything else. I think Yair could throw the kitchen sink at this guy and he won't finish him. Um, but, but again, uh, you know, if you want to put five on Yair, I don't think that's a bad idea either. Cause I think there is some value there in him, uh, you know, being the younger guy and more active guy. Yeah, Korean Zombie has fought one time in the last five years and not at all since last February or February 2017. I cannot believe he's in the top 10 rankings. I can't believe it. I don't know why he is. you can. Some of these people that vote, Sean, you are not surprised, these guys that vote. Come on. I know one guy that's in that (laughs) rankings. I know who – okay, no, I take that back. I know who Jeff Kane is, and I know who Andreas Hale is, and I know of one other guy. But that's it. That's it. I recognize some of the outlets, but I liked Israel Adesanya's idea of maybe having the fighters do it, but then you'll have some favoritism. Yes. I think instead there should be a combination of media and a UFC-appointed veterans panel where it is their their job to do it like, and their job to pay attention to the fights and things like that. I think that would be a good, a good route to take. Uh, quickly, before we go... James, the first quarter UFC schedule has been released. Your thoughts on what we see? Uh, I think it's great. Um, you know, some of the some of the uh, the, the places are going. Um, again, the, the only thing that kind of concerns me a little bit: why are they going head to head with Bellator again? To me, that's a stupid move. Um, you're, you're, the fans are only going to lose in the end. There is going to be fans that will want to watch Fedor over whatever the UFC puts out there. Um, I believe we have a fight for the Brooklyn card now. They just announced it today. Paige Van Zandt, Rachel Osovich. Don't really care too much about that. But, um, you know, in regards to uh, just the schedule itself, 
I mean, it seems decent. The thing that's disappointing, though, and we knew this, obviously, heading in when it comes to a TV deal, they're still having the ESPN cards, you know, the same uh, pacing still late at night, um, you know, for the for the fans. And I think that they got to figure out something about that, because uh, if you have these really long cards um, and they're just dragging out, you're going to turn people away from it. You can't watch every single card. So that that's a little bit disappointing. But uh, as far as the dates and stuff, uh, you know, pretty typical Vegas in March. I think they're going to Phoenix, going to Brooklyn. Um, nothing out of the ordinary. And I hear rumors that they're coming to Vancouver again, which is great for me because uh, that will be a nice, uh, nice drive at some point. Yo, your thoughts? Yeah, it's, you know, exactly what James said. So it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds. Although, um, James, do we know what's going to happen with these uh, ESPN Plus cards in Canada? I'm, I'm assuming um, it shouldn't affect anybody here in Canada and it should stay uh, on the current broadcaster. Yeah, like like how it works now is Fight Network gets the undercard, like whatever Fight Pass gets, Fight Network gets. So I think that'll continue. So I guess ESPN app would be the equivalent of that. Although I'm hearing that the ESPN Plus app is going to air the main cards and regular ESPN is going to have the undercards, which is weird. Um, so, uh, so Switching yeah, I, back and forth, I understand. It goes ESPN Plus, ESPN, yeah. and ESPN Plus. So the early prelims will often be on ESPN Plus. Mm-hmm. Then they'll go to ESPN to kind of promote that card. And then they'll go back to ESPN Plus, from what I understand. It'll just be TSN, I think, because ESPN, um, you know, the parent company, they own a small chunk of, T- uh, of TSN as well. So I'm sure there's some relationship there that will continue. Um, and whether or not Fight Network's in that, I assume they are. But there's like Joe, we know in Canada, there's no other options really. Like what, Sportsnet can't cater to it now. They have the hockey rights. Uh, CBC's not picking up, uh, you know, MMA anytime soon. So I, it's going to be something on TSN for sure. Just a matter. It just depends which other five channels they're going to air it on. Zach McDonald in the live chat says, any John Jones news? Yes, I recapped the presser in about five, six minutes from last week on the new MMA and boxing channel. Click the link in the description below. I'm doing that for most of the pressers. That way you guys don't have to sit through six, seven hours of waiting for somebody like Conor McGregor. You all can watch a six, seven minute video. Uh, you all can follow Joe at Showdown Joe. Follow James at Lynch on Sports. Follow me at Sean Ross at, and follow us at Fightful MMA. Reminder, subscribe. Uh, to the new MMA and boxing channel. Comment on any story. You'll be registered to enter that signed Chuck Liddell photo. Until next time, guys, we are on podcast platforms everywhere. We're out.